Welcome to Hindsight Movie Talk, the podcast where we discuss movies in the context of their post-release reception and legacy. We'll talk about all sorts of flicks, from blockbusters to indie films to classics. And at the end of each episode, we'll tell you the movie we're discussing the following week and which popular streaming service you can find it on. That way you can validate or reject the interesting things that we have to say. This week, we're discussing Dead Poet Society, discussed, directed by Peter Weir, uh, who we saw with The Truman Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Melissa. And spoilers for this film are going to follow, and I guess maybe some spoilers of some other films, but mostly movies you've probably seen. Um, So... What did you think of this movie, Alyssa? Actually, wait, you have background information. Let's, been let's a week. do the background first. Oh, man. I feel ya. It's been a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah, get we'll to that. We'll talk about that at the end of the, end of the podcast. For but, sure. Uh, All right. So, like you said, it's directed by Peter Weir. Came out in 1989 was written by Tom Shulman, who also wrote Honey, I... Sh- well, he did a rewrite for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He did um, What About Bob? Some other, like, random comedies here and there, but I guess he did quite a bit of work in the 80s, is what I mean to say about all of that. So this film stars Robin Williams. It also stars Ethan Hawke, who it took me way too long to figure out oh, really? that that kid was Ethan Hawke. Like, halfway through the movie, I'm sitting there, like, staring at him, like, who the fuck is that? I know it's somebody. It's Ethan Hawke. It's with a little bit Ethan of Hawk. acne. Yep. And yeah. it's uh, Robert Sean Leonard, otherwise known as Wilson. Yeah, Wilson yeah. from House. I was going to say House's uh-huh. sidekick, but then I figured he needed a name. Wilson from House, who... Um, little unknown fact, that's actually a spin-off of um fuck, what's that movie with Tom Tom Hanks? Castaway. Um it's the same <laughs> character. I thought you were enough. gonna say something serious. I was like really waiting for that. <laughs> no, of course not. Damn it. You got me. I was On going. my end it was worth it. I don't think anybody else will feel that way. You got me. You definitely got me on that one. <laughs> Holy All right. shit. <laughs> All right. So we've also got Josh Charles, Gail Hansen, Norman Lloyd, uh, Kurtwood Smith, otherwise known as, oh shit, I don't even remember. The dad from that 70s show. Eric's dad. Red Mr. Foreman. Foreman. Yes. And that's pretty much it. Those are most people. This movie made a lot of money. $16.4 million budget made $235 million, Damn. which is a lot more than I would have expected. <laughs> Was it uh, in the Oscars at all? I don't. Uh, yeah, it was actually. It won Best Original Screenplay. Obviously, I mean, it totally Robin Williams. Like an Oscar bait type yeah. Movie. Obviously, Robin Williams got nominated for Best Director or for uh, Best Actor. Peter Weir got nominated for Best Director, and it was nominated for Best Picture. And it won a whole bunch of other awards, too, and got nominated. Uh, give us the Rotten Tomato scores, and then we'll 
we'll break down what we think about it. Okay, critics gave this an 86, audience 92. And this is one of those movies that is always followed, whenever it's mentioned, it's always followed by a gasp. It's always, uh, I've never seen Dead Poets Society. Oh, love that movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't either. I don't think it was, I re- honestly did not think it was very good. Robin Williams is great, obviously. He's always great. Yeah. I thought the story was incredibly contrived. I thought the suicide three quarters of the way through the movie was both unexpected, kind of unnecessary, and, like, as far as the storytelling goes, like, out of the blue. And uh, I thought, well, Ethan Hawke, I think, is a decent actor, and some of the rest of these guys are okay, I thought they were all pretty bad in this movie. All of the teenage boys, I thought, <laughs> way overacted. And maybe it's the director. It could be a million things. We've discussed that. But I didn't think it was that yeah. good. Yeah, it's kind of hard to blame just the actors. Yeah, especially considering that most of them were pretty young. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the ending later. Um, I agree with you that this was very contrived, but it also felt like... <laughs> What the fuck happened in this movie? For an hour and a half, nothing happened. It felt like a series of disjointed, partially complete narratives. Yeah, I'm not sure who this movie is about, ultimately. Yeah, who's it for, either? I just, I don't know. It was, uh, I wish it had more, I mean, I suppose you could make the argument that it captures what a real, you know, what a real year of school is like, you know, just various sort of vignettes of what happens with you, you know, like you, you undergo a lot of different things, a lot of different partially complete stories, so to speak. Right. Um, so it's realistic in that sense, I would say, but also that's movies aren't really supposed to do that. Something like this, where it seems to be setting up stories like that and different plots like that, it felt very uh, just really disorganized and sort of rushed each different storyline, in my opinion. Yeah. It would introduce them late in the game and then try to resolve them quickly. I mean, the whole thing with, with Knox and uh, Chris, it just felt... I mean, was that supposed to be the main plot? Because halfway through the movie, it shifts focus completely to that storyline. Yeah, and that's one of those storylines that has not aged well in 30 years. Like, the way that he chases after her and they get together and he kisses her when she's asleep on a couch. Yeah, great. Way to to get consent, pal. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that that <laughs> was that like home, kids. super romantic in like 1980, but it now it's just creepy. Yeah, it feels very creepy watching it now. I don't I hate yeah. to bash such a classic film, quote unquote, but damn, I can't really think of a lot that's good to say about this besides Robin Williams' performance. I thought I was gonna watch another Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, and I, I thought did not get that in the. In pop culture, this movie is revered. Um, and, you know, you can see by critics and audience alike, it's not like one of those 
Citizen Kane or something where it's like you really have to understand it to get it, right? Right. This is like supposed to be a great movie anyway you slice it. I don't really see that. No. I'm not sure what it's drawing audience love like that. I think its biggest failure is that it never really gets to the humanity of any of its characters. All of its characters feel like extreme caricatures of themselves. The whole film feels underdeveloped to me. It has great threads. It has great scenes. But it doesn't seem to unravel them completely. Um, There's that scene with, you know, when Ethan Hawke is uh, on his birthday. You know, that's a great scene when um, Neil approaches him and they throw his thing off the, the bridge or whatever. I wish we had more about his parents and his relationship with his parents. It was just so out of nowhere. It's like we barely even know this kid. And is he the main character? Because you're basically introduced with him. Right. You know, the, the film opens with him. Yeah. And then for a while, it feels like Neil is the main character. Yeah. And then, and it, then it's like you're Knox. supposed to pay attention to Knox. And then, like, Keating is, like, always there in the background. And it seems like he's pretty important. I don't... Yeah, but you don't get to know Keating outside of him being a professor. No. And I, th- teacher and I think that's, like, one of the biggest failures of this. Yeah, I wish he had some flaws. You know, he's, like, this perfect guy. Right. Yeah. And I think it'd be interesting. Um, I mean, as an audience, we know that he did, always did the right thing. Yeah, um, he feels very one-dimensional. Um, and, yeah, I think Robin Williams is really the only thing saving that character. Uh, any notes to make about the production? Seems pretty cut and dry to me, pretty standard. Yeah, it was kind of hard for me to tell that it was in the 1950s. Yeah, I was wondering that while I was watching. I kind of assumed at one point, um, but it I assumed yeah, it didn't feel very heavily based, like a period piece. Yeah, I assumed based on the culture, not based on the dress yeah. or the set design or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It felt like a movie that was set in the 80s based on like how everybody was. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the trick, though. They were in a very old-fashioned school where they had, you know, what period is a private school really set in? That's true. It's hard. It's kind of a timeless thing. Yeah, you're really just going Um, on, like, haircuts and... Yeah. Yeah. So I thought... I don't know. I guess that's kind of commendable, though, to have it so subtle. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and it it does... It didn't really matter that much for the story anyway. And, And it does make it easier to slide that into any... If it were a good film, to slide it, like, into any decade. Yeah. And make it relatable. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, you could you could definitely feel the big budget on this. It doesn't uh, it doesn't lack any, you know, immersion. I would say, besides the narrative being kind of boring. But, right. Um, the way it's this, yeah, I would say the sets and everything were really well done because I mean, obviously they shot in that school. I feel like you feel the big budget on this one for sure. May as well move on. Performances, we kind of talked about Robin Williams. Um, He was always good. I mean, something so charismatic about him. 
he's got a way of like projecting for one thing yeah like, there's something powerful in his voice all the time that's true you know he was one of those celebrities like a lot of celebrities pass and i'm you know i think like okay well that's sad for their families or whatever right but i didn't know them so it doesn't really matter but i don't know when he passed that i felt like that was really a pretty affecting loss it felt personal it really did and maybe it's our generation we kind of grew up with a lot of his films um jumanji and flubber and mrs doubtfire you know, right and he seemed big so part of all our childhoods relatable as a person too and i think that's part of it his <clears throat> you know persona outside just his films always seemed more relatable and i think you know even his demise feels really relatable like in a lot of ways yeah and i guess the irony there i mean you know it wasn't it wasn't a secret that he was struggling with depression no i mean um, for decades he talked about it but just seemingly one of the happiest guys (laughs) you know when he was performing or whatever Right. Um, and there was, like, discussion. I think his family released a statement a while after his death that he was struggling with some medical issues, too, that, like, may have had an effect on his mental state. There were a lot of contributing factors, but that was one of those that, like, hit pretty hard. Um, because he would still be making great films today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was incredibly influential for a lot of people. Not just beloved but inspiring in a lot of ways like i was a little i was sad when alan rickman died i liked a lot of the characters that he played and the way that he played them but i you know that didn't carry the same weight for me yeah me either i don't know there's really i can't think of another celebrity where i was really uh really hit me in that way i mean not that i was you know you know like i felt like i lost a person you know that i know or anything but just in general the feeling of like I felt like society, we really lost yeah, someone. It was very, very strange because even powerful. with, uh, like, when Heath Ledger went, like, I was sad for the art and craft of acting. Yeah, and I, well, and yeah, I always just, you know, feel bad for the families just in Absolutely. general. But like, yeah. yeah, but it's, like, not much more than that, really. You know? Right. Like, as, as, like, a human, yeah, you empathize with all the people that are, missing and that was one of those like you know Heath Ledger's death was really sad because he had a little daughter at the time too but right you know in like the bigger picture it's weird like what hits you about certain people's passing versus others yeah so since I don't know if there's really much else to say about the actors and since we're on the topic of suicide we may as well talk about the end of this movie and kind of the whole the whole suicide in movies thing i really felt like nothing was interesting in this movie until the last half hour or so or not even you know leading up to neil's death and afterwards right and like those were genuinely powerful (laughs) scenes i thought throughout from from there Mm -hmm. right because you finally had some emotion injected into the film and it was very emotional in a lot of ways like as a mom, that scene, like, where the parents walk in and, like, see their, yeah. you know, son on the floor, like, that was powerful. But at the same time... Yeah, kudos, actually, to those two actors. Mm-hmm. That they really, that film, that scene was, they did a great 
job. That was really emotional. Absolutely. The way when she's like, he's all right, he's all right, he's all right. That was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard to watch. They did a good job with that. Yeah. Cool. That was a rough one. But. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like one of those, I was just talking to Sam the other day. It's like one of those where I feel like it's always like, it's like a suicide, a murder, or a rape. Like, those are the only emotional catalysts movies know how to use. Yeah, so that's the thing. I feel stupid saying that that was emotional. I feel like they're just using just the innate emotions that are associated with those types of things. Right. That we as human beings can't escape no matter what. Right. I mean, you can't watch that scene and not be affected Absolutely. emotionally regardless of whatever else was happening in the movie. Yeah, or even the scene right after when, um, I forget which one is it. Is it Knox that goes in to tell uh, Ethan Hawke, like, what happened? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even that one, like, that's really emotional, too. And it's like, but I agree with you. It feels, like, cheap in some ways. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It's, it's cheap, yeah. And it's overdone. I have a list here of movies that end with suicide. <laughs> um, and most of them are pretty classic movies that you've... I don't know. I wouldn't be too worried about these being spoiled because the first one is Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> right. Um, but, I mean, that's probably... Shakespeare may have done that in a satirical way. So that's a hard one to say. He but, definitely did. Yeah, Birdman, uh, Filth, which we talked about in our podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Death of a Salesman, Law Abiding Citizens, not a classic movie at all, but ends with a suicide. And then Shutter Island, I would even consider a lobotomy kind of a suicide if it's self inflicted. Right. And that's my list of movies that I've seen. And those are just movies. Or, or stories I've read or whatever. If we um, want to talk about TV shows, you can yeah. name like, oh my God. basically every dramatic TV show ever. Every teen drama, yeah. too. Literally every teen movie. Uh, it's just so overdone. And I think you're right. It's those. It's the big three. Suicide, murder, rape. Because you can call Amer- American Beauty, too. A, a murder. Uh, Great Gatsby. Basically every like revenge movie starts with a rape somewhere. Law Abiding Citizen had all three. Yeah. <laughs> rape, murder, and suicide. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that movie's trying to be any great work of art. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Thirteen Reasons Why was a huge hit. Yeah, and that that once uh, the this, that one scene was the only thing I watched out of that show. But damn, was that pretty affecting? I don't know if you watched it. I haven't watched it. But you know, it's like, of course you're gonna watch it. Of course you're gonna talk about it. Of course you're gonna be affected. It's so overdone. And there's always the question too of by putting it in film, like, are we? Uh, commemorating the act now too you know like are we making it a bigger thing than it should be right and 13's 13 reasons why i had so much public backlash and had so many issues with basically glorifying suicide yeah and especially with suicide there there is the discussion too that like the more you talk about it the more people think about it and are more prone to commit suicide like it's just a weird 
mental quirk that like we humans have like you know if you're already like prone to those sort of ideas and then somebody gives you the idea and we're kind of inundated with it like all the time yeah well it always i mean look neil winds up looking like a hero right by the end of this movie it's so it it really shows like they're they're basically glorifying it i mean all these movies it's like it's like the whole idea and the whole reason that people struggle with those thoughts is like you know they don't feel like they have you know they feel like they need to they need someone to prove that they're they care for them right and this is what happens in every movie they die and then it's like oh you know uh, we missed him. We we loved him. It's like we didn't. Right. Take him for it's like they it's when like... you have it in a movie, like they have the suicide, and then it backtracks. Like, oh, look at all these things that like you did to like all these people and whatever. But usually yeah. they don't like flesh out, and that's my I think issue with this film too. They don't really flesh out the journey to the actual suicide. Like I was not yeah. expecting a suicide in this movie. I yeah, didn't I get it from think... the tone and I didn't get it from the plot. And then all of a sudden he did it and the whole movie shifted and it felt like they were like, well, I don't exactly know what to do. So we're going to put a suicide in there and then that's going to basically determine the series of events after it. I think that the suicide was the first idea they had. Yeah, probably, <laughs> but they didn't make it seem like that. And they, yeah, they really just wanted to make that scene. Yeah. And they just kind of chalked together a bunch of bullshit to build up to it because they knew that would sell. Right. I mean, we can look again at those critics and audience scores. It's astronomical. And, I mean, it's hard to say because, like, plenty of times when people do commit suicide, they, not everyone expects it, you know? So I don't want to say, like, oh, he didn't seem depressed or anything like that. But I do. I don't think the movie led you to believe that he had any sort of, like, proclivity for that like one time he said like something to the effect that like he felt trapped well i think uh yeah maybe other people don't expect it but the you know the person who's struggling they're always struggling for a while and and in a movie you should you should have access to that right because we get like personal snippets from all of these kids exactly like a little glimpse into their mental like what's going on you know their mental and emotional state and stuff like that but we didn't get any of that we got it from neil but we didn't get it about what he might be struggling with so it felt very out of the blue his suicide um and i think it it seems to be pushing the message that it solved all his problems basically it does kind of seem like that doesn't it you know his his dad uh obviously realized what he had done was wrong and all this stuff it's an that's an interesting point you bring up it often feels like movies are using it to like teach everybody a lesson like there's a suicide and all of a sudden like the parent understands that they were not a good parent or the friends like weren't there enough or whatever yeah there's not even a whole lot of focus on the victim i don't know it's just not a good message to be pushing i don't know i mean it could have been like a redeeming story and I don't feel like that. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's not one of those where like, I don't want to talk about depression. I just think it's one of those things that needs to be handled much more carefully than it often is. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't refrain from it completely if you really feel like it's important to the story, I guess. It's just like, it's, uh, it's tricky. It's thin ice to be walking on. It's right. 
tricky situation to be and I, covering. It's obviously a real issue that tons of people have to deal with. And when it happens in real life, there are no good tied up answers. I mean, Robin Williams is a perfect example. Yeah. And, and it's never good, you know, no. in real life. In real life, it's just like throngs of like crying people and a broken family. And yeah. then that's just kind of the end. There's no like celebration or like cathartic moment like you get in the movies. It's just people missing their family member for the rest of their life. Yeah, it's a horrible, it's a horrible thing to glorify. Uh, so try to be more creative in your stories. You can think of something else to make it dramatic, and it'll probably wind up being a lot more original, a lot better. <laughs> okay, well, this was a short one. Long movie, short podcast. I think those are really the only uh, key things to talk about with this film. If, you, if you're one of those people who really love this movie, please write in and tell me why. Tell us why. I would really love to hear it, because I'm very confused. <laughs> And if you think that we're wrong about the way that this movie handles the weighty emotional moments, write us in and tell us about that too, because I'd be curious for your take on it. I wouldn't, we're not judging at all. We like are genuinely curious because obviously we're the ones in the, we're the ones in the minority anyway. But you know, like I didn't watch this movie until 2018. This was my first time seeing it. And maybe that's part of it too. Like, the world is very different than when people yeah. watched this the first time. And maybe watching this as a teenager it would be more it'd be more powerful, probably. More relatable. Yeah. I think a lot of the things that these boys deal with are, are something this things like that I dealt with in the past but have gotten over now. Yeah. And you know, so the camaraderie kind of tired. between all of the boys was really refreshing. Like I liked yeah. watching their relationships with each other. And yeah. I wish the movie was just about that. Yeah. Now, in retrospect, I kind of wish we just got like a movie of their senior year. Just yeah, just make this a teen them. comedy. Or like a you know like character study, like group yeah. character study. I'd watch yeah. that. I'm interested in it. Because I guess one thing it did it did well with dealing with like adolescence as the main characters but not making it soapy romantic and dramatic like a you know like the oc or gossip girl or something like it's hard when you have as your subject matter those types of people with those are the types of problems they mostly deal with right you know it looks at it more from an adult perspective i think right i agree um so that's something to commend i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we found it I'll leave it there. I don't want to yeah. spoil everything <laughs> I just said, so yeah. I'll leave it there. Okay. Well. We've got a little announcement to make, right? Yeah. Uh, we are going to be taking a break um, for the next couple months. So this is mostly uh, it's mostly because of me. I uh, have to graduate college. Um <laughs> And things are ramping up with school, and I have two jobs now that I'm dealing with as well, um, and trying to push a web series as well, which I will talk about in a second uh, again. But basically, I need to focus on doing some important stuff, and uh, we need to take a quick break from the podcast, probably until May. Um, 
but then we'll be back and we'll be back with Always Sunny season two and more movies. So it's not it's not over by any means at all. Um and we can you know, you know, you can go through our old episodes if there anything if there is anything you missed. Uh Alyssa, I assume you'll be active on Twitter still. I'll be around. You can find yeah. me. So if there's anything you want to say to us, any suggestions of movies that we should do when we come back, would be excellent. Otherwise, Sam is going to be our de facto producer and probably picking a lot of our movies. Again. <laughs> Classic. Classic Sam. He mostly Sam. Work... picks all of mine. So. He's uh, working the strings from behind the scenes. Yeah. So is there anything you would like to say regarding the, the break? Um... No, just to reiterate what you said about it's a uh, it's one of those times of year that like I always think like oh after Christmas we're gonna roll into spring it's gonna be nice and calm and then I looked at my calendar for the next six weeks and I have like eight major events. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just it's just the four hours a week that it takes to do the podcast are are gonna be precious hours now for actual life stuff unfortunately right and considering that all of my working hours are shared with a toddler i need (laughs) every free minute i can get yeah for sure um but i would like to plug uh one last time before we take our break uh my web series suburbia you can find it at suburbiaseries.com. If you'd like to take a look at the stuff that I work on outside of the podcast, I would love for you to do so. And we're also crowdfunding, so if you're interested in uh, supporting my endeavors, uh, always appreciated. You can find all those links in the description, and uh, everything is linked on suburbiaseries.com. And we also include some blog posts that we update pretty frequently, so that might be interesting. Uh, for you to check out. And that's the end of my shameless plug. Anything else, Alyssa? That's it. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening uh, continuously, all of you, all of the uh, people who listen to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, stay tuned because we'll be back. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-